not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. Sometimes you got to tell your things by faith. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Told him this morning in class, people lie in church all the time. They look like they didn't believe me. Some people say I'm obedient to the Lord. We say that every, every time we come together, but sometimes you know you ain't being obedient. Did y'all hear me? Don't lie to the Holy Ghost. It's in Acts chapter 5. He talked to you about that. Psalms 24, verses 1 through 5, I wrote down, but they put 1 through 6, so we'll read 6 also. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the watches. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Father, we just thank you for your holy word. We thank you for this gathering, Lord, of men and women, of children of God, Lord, that love you, that seek, you, seek your face, Lord. Lord, we ask you now to forgive the sins that we have committed this day, Lord, and all those sins the day before. Lord, we ask you to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord. We know that you hear our cries when we call upon your name. Now, we ask you to reveal your glory that we may receive your glory and experience your glory and show others the glory of the Lord is here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated and buckle your seatbelt. This psalm is penned when David had realized that he needed to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to his house. The Ark of the Covenant had been taken away by the Philistines in a previous war. And now it had returned, but it would have been brought to Obed-Edom's house. And where it got back to David's house, Obed-Edom's house was being blessed because of the presence of the Lord. So this psalm is penned shortly thereafter when David had brought the Ark of the Covenant back. And it's, I want you to recognize even up front that the presence of the Lord has been brought back. Jesus brought the presence of the Lord back to humanity. God moved along the path with the Israelites from the journey to journey. And David had wanted to build God a house, but God said, I'm a moving God. I can't sit still. There's work for me to do. So he asked them, who have I asked to build me a place that I might dwell therein? So David had it in his heart to build a dwelling place for the Lord. But I came here to let you know that the dwelling place is you. Jesus has prepared you for the dwelling, the indwelling of God, and you are the dwelling place. But the Lord has informed me that the dwelling place needs to be checked out. Uh, so thus we have this profound title that God dropped in me to drop on you. And it says, purity is still prevalent. Tell somebody, purity is still prevalent. I'm, I'm here to let you know that 
when we were once pure, we were still then impure. Because I'm talking deeper than purity of you not doing nothing wrong physically. I'm talking purity of you not thinking wrong, not being in the wrong place, and not have the wrong intent in your heart. And then when you immediately do any wrong for this thought only, you are quick to repent of that wrong thought that you don't do the act. Y'all better hear me. I said purity is still prevalent. Because sometimes we get to doing things thinking we're not, we're doing okay, but we have got off track. And we don't realize we're saying I'm obedient, but being disobedient at the same time. Purity is still prevalent. And so when God gave me purity is still prevalent, I said, Lord, what do you mean by that? He said, purity is this, freedom from alteration or contamination. Freedom from immortality, immorality, I'm sorry. Freedom from spiritual or moral defilement. So you can be impure in your spirit and not doing nothing in your flesh. Y'all know Jesus said, if you even look, you've committed the act. Don't make me have to talk to you like that. You can be impure in your spirit, never have done the act. But God wants you to come to a place where the intents of your heart is pure. That the thought comes to you, reject the thought, that you never do the act. You have to learn how to live godly. You don't just up and stumble up and do it. You have to listen to the word, practice the word that you hear. I say that by when you read the Bible, you're talking to yourself. Whether you read verbally or silently, you're talking to yourself. And the words start talking to you when you start listening to the words you have read. Meaning you're going about your business and the words you have read start talking. You tell you you can't do business that way anymore. The word talks back if you put some word in you to talk to you. But Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. But if you don't talk to the word, the word don't have no place in you to talk back to you. So therefore, you're going about doing your own thing and your impurities are piling up against you. I said purity is still prevalent. That word prevalent, I'm sorry, that word still it means be still and know that I am God. I saw a shirt say that this morning. Stand up, Tyrone. Point to your, your chest. It's amazing how God just does things. He said, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46 tells you that, 46.10. But I want you to understand that means put your hands down, meaning you are fighting, you are trying to fix it, you are doing it your way. It's a Hebrew word for that, says Rapha, R-A-P-H-A. It means to be weak, to let go, to release, surrender. God wants you to put your hands down and lift up holy hands. So we then tend to think hands represents, in the Bible, your action. What you do, what you hold on to, what you choose to release. Hands represents what you gravitate to, what, you, what grabs you and hold on to you. Hands determine an action. So he wants you to put your actions down and pick up, lift up holy hands. Holy hands don't have anything to do but to worship God. And when you worship God, God does the action. I said this morning in class, we could be busy doing something, but not accomplishing anything. Uh, it's easy to start working, spinning your wheels like the rat running on the, on the wheel, doing a lot of moving, but not going nowhere. I want you to learn how to let your movements be in God. And when God moves you, you move on his command. 
and then you follow that command and you'll see an action of his movement. Put your hands down and be still and know that God is God. Let go, release, surrender. You do know when you lift up both hands, it's an act of surrender. We sing a song, I surrender all, and get up and go continue doing what we say we surrender to. We got to learn how to stay in the battle, but let the Lord do the fighting. I said, stay in the battle, but let the Lord do the fighting. You got to put your hands down and let him fight the battle for you. Your hands are holy. He told them many times you can't touch a lot of things. Touch not this and touch not that because your hands are holy. You defile yourself by just gravitating to any and everything. Impurities don't easily wash off. I walked to my car to get in. My knee touched a plant and instantly got dirt on. I said, how am I going to stay clean all day? I can't touch nothing. Meaning this to us. Spiritually, it's so easy to let things leak in. You hear stuff, you see stuff, you participate in stuff, and before you know it, you're involved in something you had no business ever paying any attention to at all. You have to have your conscience tuned up, tune in, that when God said move, it's time to go. You can't just stay and participate in any and everything. There's warfare all around, but every battle is not yours. Amen? Prevalent. I'm just talking about the title right now. I ain't got to the message yet. Prevalent, widespread in a particular era or at a particular time, having greater power, superior or dominant. Don't you know when God created man, he gave you dominion. He has never taken that dominion from us. Adam lost it, but when Jesus came back, he restored our dominion. We have purity that has dominion over the earth. We walk around like we second-class citizens, like we don't have no say-so in the matters at hand. But righteousness always prevails. I said righteousness always prevails. Now, what you have to learn how to do is stand for what's right, do what's right, and righteousness will take over. You can't just let wrong continue because wrong won't stop taking over. Amen? You know, they talk about Christians that are full of gossip, but they're quiet when it's time to speak up for what's right. You know how to talk, but you don't know what to say. You know what to say, but you don't know how to say it. You know when to talk, but you won't be quiet when it's time to be quiet. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You need to learn how to speak on God's behalf and don't say nothing at all. Let's do our first turn. Let's go to... Let's go to uh, Psalms 18. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Psalms 15. Psalms 15, verses 1 through 5. Psalms 15, 1 through 5. Our text is talking about the king of glory and his kingdom. God sustains the life of his creation. His eternal unfailing purpose is to, is to direct God his creation. He expects his children to be obedient, have genuine faith in him, and obedience should not be dependent upon perfect people, happy circumstances, or convenient timing but rather upon the divine mandate to go God's way and thereby receive eternal reward. In our text, verse 3 says, Who may ascend into the heel of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? Now we're doing our character checkup. Let's in Psalms 15, verses 1 through 5. Psalms 15, verses 1 through 5. 
Are you there? Say, I'm there, preacher. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not bite back with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put his money to, at usury, nor, take, nor does he take a bribe against his, the innocent. He who does these things shall never be removed or moved. And that money to usury means you don't lend out to someone in need and take interest. It's best to give than to lend and ask, a re ask someone to pay you back. This is your character checkup. Now, you got to check your character when you start dealing with Christ because Christ always gave. He even gave the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his life, didn't ask anything back. Only thing he requires of us is to, is to obey him and love one another. Obey him and love one another. And this, by this, he said, the world shall know that you are my disciples. Amen? So if you're going to do something, don't do it to be seen. Do it for the glory of God, whether anybody pat you on the back or not. We're talking about purity is still prevalent because if you're doing things for your own self good, you're not doing good enough. Amen? God wants to see the good in us because Christ died to give us his goodness. He wants to see his good prevail. Righteousness is a good thing. Doing right is good. Amen? Job testified and said this, Yet the righteous will hold to his way, his God's way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. When you start doing right, you get stronger at doing right. You become more proficient. It is like developing a good habit, and you do it over and over. That right is the only thing in you, so you do right because it's all you got. The truth needs to be in you. That's all you have. You can't tell a lie without arguing with the truth. You shouldn't ever have that fight within you. I said, you can't argue with the truth when you want to lie. They don't get along, so they're not going to agree. So they shouldn't be in agreement in you. Don't be lying about being obedient anymore. Pastor, they might stop saying that. They're going to start mumbling it when they get ready to say it, Pastor. If, not, if they haven't been obedient. Second turn, let's go to 18 Psalms, Psalms 18, verses 20 through 26. Psalms 18, 20 through 26. I told you already your hands are a symbol of human actions. Washing them symbolizes acts of innocence or sanctification. Acts of innocence or sanctification. You know that the Sadducees and Pharisees got on Jesus about his disciples not washing and he told them that you wash the outside, but what my people do, they wash the inside. What's on the outside is, is going to be clean in a bath. But the inside takes me to wash and make it clean. This word washes you from the inside out, that the outside become clean because of the inside cleansing. When you lift up holy hands, that's symbolic of the inside is now clean, and God can use you because you're presenting yourself holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Amen. Psalms 18, verses 20 through 26. Are we there? David's crying out again. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness 
according to the cleanliness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. Now, being that we have been talking about David upstairs with the brotherhood for a couple of weeks, it's amazing how David can pin on paper how clean he is with all the contamination that he had done. Uh, see, we, we have the hindsight of David's story, but we didn't see the picture as it was, as it was unfolding. David can say this because he knows he has experienced what he went through and God made him innocent in spite of what he had gone through. You wouldn't be sitting here either if your real write-up was on the wall. But your writing now has been changed because it's been written in blood. Christ has cleansed you of all of your unrighteousness so you can sit here in a holy place with the holy God. So don't be hard on David. Unless you're going to look in the mirror. As I was saying before you interrupted me. Verse 21. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. That's his testimony. And have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me. And I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him. And I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanliness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. So God is giving us understanding of how easy it is to be cleaned up, to walk in purity. You must learn that your wrongdoing is before you all the time. Your conscience tells you before you do wrong that you're about to do wrong, and when you have done wrong, it tells you that you did wrong. What we must learn to do is listen to the truth when the truth speaks to us and correct the wrongdoing and stop doing the wrong that's come to us. I wish somebody would hear me in here. You can walk in purity. We tend to think pure was when you was innocent as a kid and you had not done any wrong. Yes, that's a stage of purity. But even kids that have not had sex are still impure because they got motives. They got intentions. Huh. Don't, don't fool yourself. It's not what you do always. It's what you want to do and can't do sometimes. And God wants you to get to the place where you stop wanting to do what you do do. That, that, that doing don't be in you. Paul said, I wrestle with the thought of what I should do and that I do not. And that that I should do, I don't. Who is this wretched man that you shall deliver me from? God has sent Jesus Christ to deliver you from your wrongdoings and put right doing within you that you can choose that each and every time. It's not far from you. He said he always make a way, way of escape. What we don't do is listen to the truth. We listen to all the naysayers telling us, convincing us to do something contrary to the truth that we know. It's not my truth that sets you free. It's the truth that you know in Jesus Christ that makes you free. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Job testifies and says, this is Job 2230. You don't have to turn there. Job 2230. He delivers even the one who is not innocent, who would be delivered through the cleanliness of his hands. He delivers even the one who is not innocent. So I'm not here to condemn you for your wrongdoing. I'm here to make you aware that cleanliness is appointed to you. 
that you may go forth and stop doing wrong that's easy for you to stop doing. I say wrong is easy for you to stop doing. It is as simple as I will not do that anymore. When you said I will serve the Lord, serving him is stop doing what's contrary to him. Amen? You must learn that God has ordained a step for you to take. And your path has been planned out for you. The steps of a good man is what? Ordered by the Lord. So he has planned a path for you to walk in. Your job is to know the plan that he has for you that is good and success and walk in that path and stop being deviated by self. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's go to our next turn. Let's go to uh, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Is this all right? We're going to read verses 1, I mean verses 13 through 17. Isaiah 1, 13 through 17. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now what you must understand in this particular text is that God is showing you the problem he have with you. A lot of times we don't want to be confronted about what we are doing, that someone is not pleased about us doing that. I didn't want my parents to correct me and check me when I was doing wrong. I didn't want my brothers and sisters telling me when I had done wrong, that my parents would check me when I did wrong. But every time I go home, they bring up what I did. When I was a kid, I said, I don't remember none of that. You know how they, uh, they come together against Jesus, they come together against me. My mother and father started raising their eyebrows. You did what? And every time I go home, they have a different story. I don't remember doing all those things they accused me of. Isaiah chapter 1, starting at verse 13. I'm going to drop down near the bottom of 13 where it says, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meetings. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. He says, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Now, God is saying there's a good thing to do every time there's something to be done. Don't just do anything. Do the good thing. If you're walking in righteousness, the good thing will come to you to do the good thing. When good comes to you to do, do it without hesitation. God is ordaining your steps to do that good thing. But what we don't do is do what we want to do instead of doing what God tells us to do, and we find ourselves finding impurities in us. Because Brother Latham said it this morning, when you become idle, you start dibbling and dabbling in things you should not be doing, being in places you should not even be. Because you're not doing what God has told you to be doing. A busy person don't have time to be wasting time. I said a busy person don't have time to be wasting time. I can speak from experience. I don't have time to be wasting time. I tell anybody, don't waste my time. It don't belong to me. I'm not going to let you waste mine. Y'all give my wife a hand. As she walk in. 
How they say I feel my help coming on? Love you, baby. She told me she was coming. I didn't doubt her. I was going to keep preaching until she got here. Y'all could have been here a long time. Y'all better be glad she showed up. I told myself I ain't going to sit down until she get here. So God is telling you that your doings are before my eyes. And he's guarding his eyes based on what we do. Y'all hear me? He can't stand and look at wrongdoing and we be his children. It's offensive to him to continue to as we have been and in thinking we're going to get away with it. As a child, you put up with childish things for a while. But this place here is a place where we grow people up. We learn the Bible to do the Bible, not just hear the Bible and not participate in the Bible that we hear. You learn to grow from what you have been taught. And when you grow from that, you start acting like a mature Christian, stop doing the same thing over and over, like God don't watch, like God don't care about you doing that. He said he's weary of your feasts, of your gatherings, and you're not gathering for me, you're gathering to put a check in the box because you expected to be here. You need to be lifting up holy hands. When you enter the house of, with thanksgiving, we'll see the manifestation of the glory of God because everybody coming for God, not for themselves. Amen? Amen. Let's go to, uh, back to Psalms. Let's deal with our pure heart. Our pure heart. You know, Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are those with a pure heart, for they shall see God. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who may know it? But God knows the heart. Not only does he know the heart, he's able to help you purify your heart, sanctify your heart, and set your heart apart for his use. We learned that he spoke of David as a man after his own heart. And we discovered that David had a lot of deeds that was ungodly, that you would think that would cause God to not choose David's heart. But we look at the outer appearance of a situation, and we don't judge the heart of a situation. But God judges the heart. David knew how to worship and put himself right back in right place with God. He even knew how to do it so much that he helped Saul get in the right place when Saul was cutting the food. Worship is the transformation point that every believer should have that it caused him to go from self to saint, from service to sanctification, and a place of reservation of wrongdoing and hesitation of doing wrong and a release to do right. Because when you worship, you can't take sin in there. Uh, sin can't go into the holy place. We ask the question, who may ascend to the holy hill of God? He who has a clean hand and pure heart. So we talk about the character of your hands. Your hands is what you affiliate yourself with, what, you actions, what your actions are. Now the heart is what's on the inside of you, what's come out. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak, or the lifestyle will come out. <laughs> you can't hide what's really inside of you. It's going to come out someplace, sometime. And it's usually at the wrong place at the wrong time, and you really feel bad about other people knowing what's in your heart. You know, if you listen to a person long enough, you can tell where they stand. Because their heart start talking after the conversation get lengthy. You can't talk to an ungodly person too long before they start talking about 
ungodly things. Yeah. They might keep it clean for a moment, but the real them going to come out. Saying that, an ungodly person shouldn't be able to talk to you too long before the real you come out. The cleanliness just starts speaking after a period of time. Amen? Where did I say go to? I just said Psalms. I didn't tell you which one. Okay, Psalms 51 then. Psalms 51 verses 1 through 11. Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Ah, oh, Jesus. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make to me to know wisdom. Can I take a pair of a pause right there? Because, see, at this time, David's pinning these psalms to us, because he had been brought to light by what he had done. Nathan spoke to him about his deceitful murder, adultery affair. He talked to him about all he had done wrong, having been anointed of God and turned against God and take flesh upon and wear flesh for a season. I'm talking about being made pure. Because the, it's easy to point the finger at David because we have hindsight. We're looking back at what David did. But I told you, if you pull the cover back and the wool back over your eyes, we got some hindsight in our own lives that we have done. And what we don't do after we have done these acts, we don't come clean about it. We hide as if God don't see it or God has ignored it. But God wants you to have holy hands, and holy hands can't be attached to an unclean heart. And you can't clean your heart. You can wash your hands as symbolic of sanctification. But the real sanctification is inside that you can't touch. So God is the one that sanctifies the heart. But the requirement is that you must lay your heart before him that he may wash it for you. If you hold on to defilement, it stays in your heart and eventually it's going to come out your mouth or come out your actions of your hands, of your lifestyle. God wants you to know that he wants to purify your heart. And because you're saved, David had been anointed but he did all kind of foolishness. Because you're saved don't mean you got a pure heart. Because if that were the case, everybody would be seeing God differently and more often. I'm telling you, we're walking in defilement because we don't do what God tells us to do when he tells us to do, but yet we say we are obedient, but that's disobedience and that's a lie. And lying is wrong. Lying is a sin. Do y'all hear me? God expects his glory be revealed, but he can only reveal it to clean hands and a pure heart. And I'm looking to help some people get to that place that we all can come together and see God's glory manifested because we're walking in pureness of heart, cleanliness of hands, and a mind that's not tainted with the world thought of view and doing things worldwide and not God glorifying God through the things we do. 
Amen? How then, brother man, do we get to this place where David is telling us that you must realize that God is the one you have sinned against? Your sins are not against me and you. Though we fight against each other, bicker amongst us. So we read earlier, no backbiting. Not putting your mouth on somebody, putting them down. But we're to edify. If you can't do that, you need to be prayed or shut up. Amen? Your character must remain intact for you to get to the place of holy hands and a pure heart. And it starts with you inside and you, a God with you inside. God comes in and tells you that that's no longer acceptable from you. You can do that for a time, but that season is over. We're in the fourth quarter of this year, the latter stages of this year. We announced in January or, or December of last year that this year is going to be a year of glory. We got to finish strong. We got to finish strong, I said. And the way we're going to finish strong is everybody got to wash their hands and purify their hearts. And they got to spend time on the holy hill in their own closet and crying out to God for this nation and crying out for God for this church and crying out to God for this community. That when you lift your hands, God can help us to notice you. No matter where you may physically be, he sees you there. And then he answers your prayer because he has his ear attended to the cries of the righteous. Amen. Oh, where was I? Before I was interrupted again. Y'all keep interrupting me. Verse 4, Jesse. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be what? Wash me, and I shall be what? Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me what? Created me like you say it like you mean it. Created me what? I can't hear you. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So David is realizing that God alone is the one that gives him a clean heart. God alone is the one that gives each of us a clean heart. You must want the clean heart, you must desire the clean heart. But otherwise, you won't get the clean heart. Do you realize benefits are out there, but many people don't get the benefits because they don't do the things required to achieve the benefit. So the benefit remains where it is, though it's available to you. God wants you to know of the benefit. He wants you to inquire of the benefit because he wants to give you the benefit that the benefit can benefit you and him. Lift up holy hands, church. Lift up both hands. Lift up your hands. And declare that these hands are holy. Say it. No, I said declare it. So I declare these hands are holy. When I lift these hands, they are anointed to do the will of God. My heart is clean. It's been purged with hyssop. It's been washed in the blood of Jesus. It's sanctified, set apart for God to use. This congregation will see the glory of God because our hands are holy. Our hearts are sanctified. Give the Lord a hand clap. Our last turn before I take my seat. John chapter 13. John 13 verses 5 through 10. John 13, 5 through 10. This is at the supper before Jesus is betrayed. 
he takes off his, his outer garment and lays it to the side. He began to wash his disciples' feet. John chapter 13, verses 5 to 10. And they didn't understand. He told them, you don't understand what I do now, but you will later. I pray that you understand what Jesus is telling you too. There's a place that he has prepared for each believer to be. That is his holy hill. Y'all hear me. He asked who will go there. You can go there. You can dwell there. David said, who will go there? Who will ascend to my holy hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now I told you that your hands represent your character, what you do. You know you need to wash them and sanctify them. You wash them before you eat. Wash them before you speak. Wash them before you go someplace. You wash them now more than ever because of this contamination. But wash them spiritually. Watch what you do. Watch how you carry yourself. That's the washing that Jesus is talking about. Watch how you reflect him in the earth. Watch how people watch you. Let them see the God in you and stop seeing you so much. Amen? John chapter 13, verses 5 through 10. After that, Jesus, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had, which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Ah. See, sometimes we think we're doing good without the hand of the Lord cleansing us. I need to remind you that all of our good is not good enough. Our good is just good enough to be called 50 rags in the Bible. So God has to wash us to make our good sufficient, that he can use us greatly. I said he had to wash us to make our good enough sufficient that he can use us greatly. He uses the mediocre to do marvelous things. He uses the base to exalt himself, that they be brought up in his due season. So don't think God is not going to use you because of things you have done in your past. If you learn to be washed by him, he still have a place to use you in your future and your present. But you have to make sure that you are staying true to the call that he's put on you. And that call is stay humble and stay busy. Stay humble and stay busy and let him keep you sanctified. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing at this time. He said, you will know. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, him, he who is bathed, he who is bathed, do not need to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Now he introduced a new term, bathed. That's symbolic of your body has been washed. And at that time they walked around and they got their feet dirty and dusty where they went. 
So it was a servant's job or the lowliest one in the place to wash the people's feet when they came to the house. So he was showing them how a servant supposed to wash. But they called him teaching, Lord, he said, I'm serving you, you're not serving me. Meaning we need to learn how to serve God by serving each other and stop wanting to be served and not serve nobody. Hallelujah. And see, that's humility when you can do for someone that you think is less than you and or you won't do for the one you think is less than you but do for the ones you think is more important to you. We should treat all the same because God sees all the same. Jesus came from on high to serve all of us that was below. So we don't esteem no one above anyone. Amen? We esteem everyone above ourselves. That's what God is trying to get you to see. Now the sanctification process from bathing mean that this is a daily thing that you do. I pray that you bathe every day. <laughs> so then you need to cleanse yourself spiritually every day. You don't need to think that you can skip a day of washing. You don't skip a day, I pray, from washing physically. So then you shouldn't skip a day washing spiritually either. So this cleansing keeps you with holy hands, and God keeps your heart pure. That the intense that come from outside of you don't penetrate you and permeate you to make you do what's against you to do. Then, when you start praying, God will be weary of your prayers, nor will he turn a deaf ear to your cry. God listens to see who's right standing with him. Right standing is your requirement to keep. Christ has given it to you by his death and resurrection and you being born again to achieve it. But it's yours to keep. He said he has lost none, but you can walk away. Amen? But you have to keep this right standing by staying clean. Tell your neighbor, purity is still prevalent. Say, purity is still prevalent. Amen. Are you going to stay pure? Don't let the world defile you. Don't let the world dictate to you what purity is. God makes you pure, makes you holy, sanctifies you and sets you apart for his use. Be on the battlefield and be prepared to fight. There's war on the horizon. There's always war on the horizon. Amen? This nation needs us. This community needs us. God needs us. He needs us to stop being immature and impure. He needs a believer that's strong and mighty, not afraid, ready for the battle at hand. We all know someone that needs to be cleaned up, changed up, and put back in service. Amen. We used to call them AWOL in the military. They run away from the battle. But don't you know if you go AWOL during the battle, you can be killed on sight. The enemy want to take you and kill you before you're out there by yourself. Doing contrary to what God has called you to do. Keep your hands attached to the plow. Before you stick them to the plow, make sure you clean them. Wash daily. Set a time aside to spend time on the holy hill with God. This is pre-requirement for a busy person. I'm very busy. I'm working long hours. But I shut myself off from time to time, don't I, Mary? I set myself off from time to time, go get my Bible, and just start reading. 
Not because I need to know something, because I need to see something. Not because I need to know something, because I need to see something. See what God wants to do next. See how he want to use me next. You know, you can stumble into something by just looking for God. Amen? Fabian, are you here? He's not here. Fabian and I used to always talk about making sure the title matches up with the message or the message matches up with the title. And he, when he was in ministerial development, I'm going to talk about him while he's not here. Y'all can tell him later. Y'all tell him about skipping church. But he always talk about how do you get your titles. As a title comes in many ways. But if you're searching for God, he'll show you something. I had the title four days before I had anything to go with it. I said, Lord, I don't have no scriptures to support this. You want me to talk about peer? Talk about prevalent? Talk about be still? He put the three together. Peer is still prevalent. Prevalent means it's widespread. It covers the area. Christians are everywhere. They're covering everywhere. They're everywhere. He told us a long time ago, wherever your feet shall trod, he shall give it to you. You got to start claiming territory that you've been walking on, but you've been walking on it for nothing. You're walking, but you're not doing nothing while you're walking there. You got to start being, put the goodness back on the ground. God created the earth. He made it good. Call it good. He never said it was corrupt. Men said it's messed up. You don't see that in the Bible. Nowhere God says it's messed up. This thing is beautiful. You got to bring the beauty back into every situation. Stand to your feet, please. Stick them hands in the air one more time. Say, Lord, I thank you that you have anointed me, that you have appointed me, that you have cleansed my hands, that you have purged my heart. I'm a battle waiting to be fought. I'm a soldier in the battle. Send the fight my way. I'm ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the seat. I take for granted that all are in the building safe, so I must make sure that all in the building are safe. Well, I have, I have three appeals. Sometimes